Hi, I'm Zach. I'm playing Arello, the Barbarian. I'm Nathan. I'm playing Brendis, the Thief. My name's JD. I'm playing Viatrix, the Fighter. And I'm Ryan, your Dungeon Master. And this is the Chimera Cast, a Dungeon World actual play podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ChimeraCast. So, first things first, I'm going to give a little introduction of where you guys are starting and um, what's kind of happening. So, this is the, we're starting in the city of Jataka, that is sort of to the south and west of the Ashkashari Empire. Recently, a new city, named for the country itself, has been built as the new capital along the coast. Um... Jataka conquered these lands from the elves who previously lived there. And um, you guys are fighting in the arena as part of a <clears throat> an Olympic-style games that's going on, bringing in leaders from across the world. Mostly because Jataka borders on the Ashkashari Empire, they're searching for allies. So that's kind of what you guys are being thrust into. So yeah, let's start with introducing some characters. Uh, yeah, I'm playing Arello Brack, uh, who's a barbarian. Um, Arello is is not from these here parts. He's actually from the Southern Sea Isles, which are you know across the sea to the southeast. If uh, for those of you keeping track at home geographically, may I add, stop doing that. Uh, we've probably contradicted ourselves a thousand times despite our best efforts. Um, for a, a look on Arello, we're, we're looking at wild eyes, a scrawny body, unusual jewelry, and, uh, and scraps. He's, his, his armor is kind of uh, put together from different people he's slain uh, through his mini journey. Um, it's worth noting, uh, Arello is not a... Maybe our... our typical archetype of a barbarian he is much smaller i'm thinking in current day by current day standards he'd be like five 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 six but his 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 energy and his his uh forwardness and his want to do battle and to slaughter uh you know that's where his true strength lies uh, his his alignment is chaotic so uh that would mean i would want to issue a convention of the civilized world uh, my race, as a, the race with all barbarians, I don't think we've had one on the cast yet, is Outsider. Uh, and I'll, I'll read this for you really quick. It's probably one of my favorite mechanics with the barbarian. Um, the Outsider's race move is, uh, you may be an elf, dwarf, halfling, or human, but you and your people are not from around here. At the beginning of each session, the GM will ask you something about your homeland, why you left, or what you left behind. If you answer them, mark an XP. I think it's just a really neat thing. To hopefully build out kind of my ideas about these southern isles that he's from, uh, that I've, I've the collected isles are called C S E E T H E for you, Ryan. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo, doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah, uh, I'll admit that we're going a, a standard build for the barbarian. Uh, I got a pretty high strength and dex, uh, but I do have a little bit more charisma than maybe is maybe maybe generally they they want. I just want uh, Arello to kind of be able to talk to people. Um, starting off with an axe, but that doesn't really matter. A barbarian's greatest weapon is his mind and his hands. Uh, 
So whatever is close, I will use it to destroy my mine enemies. Uh, but yes, for now, I guess I have an axe, I have a dagger, I have some dungeon rations, all the good stuff. And I, it says I have chainmail, but actually, again, like I said earlier, I think I have like this piece together pieces of different kind of plate mail that he's fashioned with probably the help of leathers and more delicate hands into a kind of armor that covered his body, protects him. Um, other than that, are there any things I'm missing right off the bat? You want me to do, we can do flags and bonds after the introduction? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, guys, any questions you have? No, nothing we can't get to later with flags and bonds. I, I did not, no, no. Sweet. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the, the baser level for uh, Arello. My turn? Yes. Oh, baby, I'm excited. I get to play a scumbag again. This is my favorite thing to do in any of these games. I am a thief. My name is Brendis Gorin. I yeah, but, am... yeah, but what is your character? Ah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a thief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the truth hurts. Huh? <laughs> uh, my name is Brendis Gorin. I am a uh, rich. I live in. I'm from the city of Jataka. I am a local. My mother is a judge or an adjudicator in the higher courts of the land. I am given a wide berth to do some things, but my luck ran out. I was fixing some fights in the gladiatorial arena, specifically with the help of Orello here, and my uh, I was forced to fight in the pits after that. So I have shifty eyes, messy hair, Fancy clothes and a lithe body. I'm rather young and capricious and charismatic. I think he's kind of handsome. But the, as the messy hair, he puts on an affectation of urchinness, though he doesn't quite pull it off, thus fancy clothes. My alignment is evil. Shift danger or blame from yourself to someone else. So I'm a selfish and duplicitous bastard, as is Brendis. And my race is human. I am a professional. When I spout lore or discern realities about criminal activities, take plus one. I have immersed myself pretty deeply in the seedy parts of Jataka. I, oh, the thief gets a poison that you can use. I have chosen oil of Tajit, which the target falls into a light sleep. When ingested, it is an applied poison, not a touch poison, which is a thing that you don't have to worry about too much. I won't probably do much with that for a while but that is part of my grift i think that Aurelo was put into fights with ringers and forced to lose and put into a deep or put into a light sleep and pretended to be dead and i don't know how things got how i got found out exactly we can kind of play that when it's convenient but i think our grift finally got found out uh, for gear, I chose a dagger and a short sword, and three throwing daggers and a healing potion. I start with ten coin, some dungeon rations, and my poison, which again is oil of tajit. Anything else I'm missing here? Did I forget to mention anything? Anything I should spend a little bit more time talking about? No. Okay. I think everything else will cover either flags, bonds, or questions. Dope, 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 dope. Oh, that means it's me now, huh? 
Yep, your turn. <laughs> nope, we're done. Ryan's still writing. <laughs> nope, that's it. No nope. other characters. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone important went already. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Come on, um, idiot. <laughs> uh, I am playing Viatrix. I am a fighter. Uh, Viatrix, um, I have listed as... I, I changed all the options because I didn't like any of them. Uh, so I have averted eyes, which I like. Uh, shorn hair, tan skin, and a, I said a bulky body. That's maybe not quite it. I'm muscular, but also uh, she eats a lot of food. Um, so she's just like a big kind of, I have it like, you know, built like a bull, built like an ox. Um, she uh, was a farmer. Uh, she was a self-sufficient um, farmer who lived in a like a northern-ish uh, or lived outside of a northern-ish city-state um, that she would sell her uh, her crops to. Um, and that was great. That's pretty much all she wanted in life. Um, so she's a simple person, uh, who was happy with that. And then some, what I have calling, I'm calling them dragon riders, but they're, they were like these, uh, unhuman humanoid things that rode a uh, big, like Komodo dragons that came up out of these like craggy, like, like a badlands kind of area that, you know was kind of the thing that no one ever goes there because it's bad, but they, they mostly fight among themselves, so it's never an issue. But they started coming out, and they destroyed my farm, and I ran off to try and warn the city-state, but I was just like, Viatrix was caught up by uh, some of their scouts, and in the ensuing fight, she took a, a big-ass sword uh, to, to her middle, um, which almost cut her in half, and she like fell back off this cliff, taking the sword with her, um, and woke up uh later somehow still alive with this like sword uh like that had it had broken as she fell um but this broken sword was still like stuck in her and it was basically like keeping her organs uh still inside of her and so she dragged herself back to the farm and slowly recovered while she was like hiding from dragon riders uh, and then you know eventually had to leave because they were still around and there was not no one else so once she was recovered enough that she could move she began making her way uh i guess just south away from this area uh, and then ended up in Jataka. Um, that's, that's most of my shit. Uh, I've got this broken ass sword. Uh, that's my signature weapon. It glows in the presence of dragon riders and their war lizards. Uh, it is huge with forceful and messy. Uh, it is broken, but they used to be like these things that, that wielded them were, you know, like monstrous humanoids. So they, the sword was originally started, you know, over like ten feet of length, as they used them from these big ass uh, uh, lizards. Um, but even with it broken, like basically she uses it like a big axe, so it has like another like two feet still of blade attached to it with a big long handle. And she's she's familiar with axes more so than using swords, so that's kind of how she fights with it. Um, so yeah, it's bloodstained and sinister. It's made of a strange metal. I have her, like, kind of being handy, so she tried to, like, before leaving, like, reforge it into something, like, more useful, uh, but her hammer just, like, hammered her bloodstains into the metal rather than actually reshaping the metal, and then she just kind of gave up and used it as is. I like that. It's, like, a porous metal, like palladium. Yeah, there's some, there's something, like, this is magical metal, but she doesn't know how or what, right, because she doesn't really know the origin of, like, what it is. Uh, she's good. Defend those weaker than you. Uh, she's human. Once per battle, I can reroll a damage roll. Uh, I have lamellar armor, I guess, so like the, the sewn, sewn metal plates. 
Uh, and that's it. Oh, I have 22 coins. That's pretty cool. I assume that's basically her life savings because she didn't need to buy very much. Like, during her time as a farmer, she was very self-sufficient. And so, like, that's literally everything she's ever made her whole life. And she just took it with her because she didn't, you know, didn't have anything else. Man, you're really making me feel bad about this, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, that's what I got. Cool. You guys want to go back through and do your bonds and flags then, and then we will do questions. Hell yeah. <clears throat> yeah, sweet. sweet. I will start it off. Um, my flags are as such. My first flag is start a fight so I may end it. Uh, and my second fa- flag is feast with me and share a tale so that I may outdo uh, hopefully just hitting both sides that I want to hit with this uh, particular gentleman. Uh, some fighties and some some talkie. Uh, my bonds in are thusly. Brindis's ways are strange and confusing, uh, which I think will be uh, fun to interrogate as I don't think uh, Arello is totally up to the what's going on with the grifts. He knows that it makes funny. And Viatrix is puny and foolish, but uh, but amusing to me. Um, as I said before, Arello isn't particularly big. I think what's kind of foolish and puny about Viatrix is her kind of meek posture. You know, I I think yeah, Arello can see the strength in her and sees how it's just a lacking of passion uh, and things like this that he might be able to crack open at some point. Sweet. Cool. Um, Brendis? Okay, so my bonds are I stole something from Viatrix, and Arello and I had had, past tense, a con running, which is the grift that I had mentioned earlier. For my flags, it's stop information from spreading to my mother. I don't want her to know what I do with my days. And interrupt me when I'm concentrating. We have two, I don't think necessarily, from what I understand, uh, Viatrix isn't necessarily gregarious, but both of you are probably much louder than I am, or at the very least, less less subtle in your actual actions. And I want that to come through in the right moments. Blunt in both senses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, Viatrix. Bonds cool. and flags. Yeah. Uh, my bonds. Brendis is soft, but I will make them hard like me. Brendis is a a rich boy who has never worked and I've worked my whole life. So it's less about warfare and more about like, Hey man, you should maybe get an honest fucking profession. Uh, and then in the pit, huh? What? I'm sorry. Considering we're both in the pit. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) if circumstances were different, (laughs) uh, and then I worry about the ability of Arello to survive without battle. So there I'm inverting one of the fighter bonds um, to the idea that I think that living a peaceful life is pretty much the best thing you can do, and Arello seems incapable of that. Cool. Uh, cool. Uh, flags. Um, ask me to fix or mend something. And then uh, encourage the growth of my strength, uh, whether physical or spiritual. And by spiritual, I don't mean religious. I mean like willfulness mental fortitude so on to questions the way i sort of envision these questions working is we're going to start zoomed out and zoom our way into you guys as characters 
So it'll be like general questions about history, and then we're gonna we'll get go down through like the city, the arena, you guys. If that makes sense, it does. I got a. I got a. Are we gonna do stuff with the the epochs thing that you ha- the prompt? That's that's what I was thinking. Probably first. Okay. Sweet. So a couple quick things to preface this part with. Um, about a couple weeks ago, I asked these guys to each detail a moment in Elvish history or an epoch, something along those lines, and they all killed it, and they all wrote some really cool stuff. So. I asked Nathan, because his last game involved the Cyclopes, to talk about how the the beginnings of Elvish history, so to speak, at least in and around Jataka. So, Nathan, if you want to read what you wrote. Yeah, I just did mine in the form of a creation story or creation myth. So, Jataka was first. Then Hamrathra, who was dog-headed and quick to laugh, became bored and stole the hair of their three siblings. Long-haired Linner, short-haired Breffer, and a single hair from Arden, whose hair measured between their siblings. Then Hamrathra, who was dog-headed and quick to laugh, planted in the nothing that was and is Jataka the three hairs to grow three queen mothers. Long-lived Linrakal, who went north in fear, Short-lived Brefrakal, who went south in excitement, and Ardrakal, whose life measured between her siblings, stayed in the nothing that was and is Jataka. Then Hamrathra, who was dog-headed and quick to laugh, became jealous and stole the hands of long-lived Linrakal. Sister, let me in, laughed Hamrathra. I will not, and Andrakal did not. Then Hamrathra, who was dog-headed and quick to laugh, became angry and stole the skin of short-lived Brefrakal. Sister left me in, laughed Hamrathra. I will not, and Andrakal did not. Then Hamrathra, who was dog-headed and quick to laugh, became spiked and stole the words of Andrakal, whose life measured between her siblings. Sister let me in, laughed Hamrathra, and Andrakal could not say. Do you mind explaining what you explained to me last night to to the audience about like what some of those people and names represent? Um, so I was attempting to... We had, we had talked before about how humans essentially outbred elves and dwarves. And because their life cycles are so short, the three people, Andrakal, Linrakal, and Brefrakal, are the three dominant races of peoples in our world. Linrakal are the dwarves who fled to the northern fjords and the uh oh shit i've forgotten the name of the large settlement with the wall around it uh ronger and who fled to ronger and more or less sequestered themselves off from the rest of the world Brefrakal are the humans who went south in their short-lived excitement as being shorter lived we t- uh, we humans tend to be more adventurous and so they went south to search and Andrakal are the elves who live in a length between the two races. And so when Brefrakal is skinned, that is the uh, a human army attacking Jataka and being thwarted, a human uh, army attacked what is essentially Jataka when the elves still dominated it and were thwarted early in elven history. 
and the dwarves themselves provided armaments to probably another elvish settlement who then also attacked Jataka and were thwarted but it was ultimately a civil war which caused the first great change in Jatakan dominant history the first great settlement of Jataka so then I gave the elven ascendancy to Zack when they dominated this part of the world so take it away bud for sure i i took we we were kind of having fun in our in our discord chat together so i wanted to respond to kind of nathan's style of the creation myth uh with like a a passage from a journal uh of someone trying to dig up the history of the elf and it it features a, a a a certain person that you might recognize i believe from jd's game they got it they got it <clears throat> and it's it's kind of told in uh in the form of like one of those Bioshock audio clips. Uh, oh God! Your, you mean your... those things that you just pick up and ignore? Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is most of Vorkal Khan's <laughs> works. Um, personal journal of Vorkal Khan, master informancer to the Obsidian City. My masters have put me on the path of dictation to a servant as one of the most powerful forms with which one can ponder. Thusly, this new entry may contain a more casual tone. I do hope my many future readers find this relatable. I am a good way into my research of the ancient elven cultures of Jataka, and if I may be so blunt, it is mostly a fruitless labor. Either the elves have great reason for keeping how their ancient civilizations function a secret, or the only scraps left for me to dig up are bedtime stories told to pig farmers' daughters. One particular interviewee tried to tell me that the lands themselves turned on the elves. She said her grandfather would tell her of days when the fields of grain would belch forth demons that would slaughter the farmers. These interviews have led me down the path of the poet, ugh, or lack, for I am trying to read betwixt all the fairy magic and discern what happened to the culture itself. For my best guess, I would say there is a distinct split between perhaps what was the ruling class and the peasants. These stories all seem to shape around the parable of the great forces outside of the walls, a desolate coming darkness that children were warned of from a young age. There is one particular parable that a handmaiden told me about. A great warrior. I think we all know this one. Yes, yes, he was a farm boy who was thrust into the harsh world before his chin could support any amount of stubble. And yes, of course, there is a magic shield that is said to have pierced the unknown and the lies told by the great darkness. He is said to have united the kingdoms of elves and parlayed with the great darkness, taking one of its own as an advisor to create harmony. His rule is said to have been a time of great peace and prosperity for all. The story blathers on about some terrible betrayal from within the king's own heart, something about the cost of containing the wickedness of the world and so forth, but it doesn't really speak to how the elves live. The little bit of archaeology I have been able to do with Timir has brought up little more than stone and bone, hardly anything telling the history I'm trying to collect. I shall try and get a more substantive answer from this handmaiden, 
but I'm worried she might be getting more and more tight-lipped around me. It seems like all the servants are giving me a sideways glance nowadays. Okay, Timmy. You, you can stop that scribbling. Timmy, no, it's not funny. Stop smirking, you nuisance. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I could just hear him One. getting drunker. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's Zach. <laughs> um, uh, any any light you want to shed on all that? Uh, you know, I I actually not to not to like pun on the story that I told. I wanted to kind of keep it in a, a little bit of a vague and a little bit of a darkness for you to be able to use however you like. Uh, it was more like wanting to uh, thrust in these parables and these these ideas so you can kind of manipulate them however you feel like it might serve you best. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, definitely. Cool. You know. And then, last but not least, I gave JD the task of illuminating the fall or the descent from power that the elves faced. Oh God, I don't even know how to do mine. Um, <laughs> so mine, uh, I try to write this as a letter being written like originally. So I was going to do a personal journal entry from a, like a leader of the Elvish war party. And then Zach did a journal entry. So I couldn't do that anymore. So instead, um, <laughs> uh, I put together like it's, it's a letter written by an Elvish soldier. So like a common elf, uh, but then translated or interpreted by um I was actually taking like the perspective originally of like um uh an imperial archaeologist, which I realized would be a thing. So like the Ashkashari Empire would have <laughs> like an archaeologist team. Uh so I'm not sure if it's exactly that, but I mean it it it's being written by an academic uh translating the letter, um basically talking about so I call it notes on the translation of an Elvish soldier's letter. So this is going to have a bunch of, like, side uh, comments as we go. Literally the first word. Beloved. And then the comments on it. A gender-neutral term. I considered lover, but that felt too improper. The term here is closer to betrothed. Of course, it is gender-neutral, given the fluid nature of biological sex in the common classes of elves south of the Firmal River, and perhaps elsewhere. This is beyond the scope of these notes. I refer the reader toward Val Vorkal Khan's seminal, if dated, work on elven class and gender. Uh, the letter continues. Uh, I make my daily offerings to hidden from sight. The comment. An elvish concept deity whose name and domain could equally be translated as movement in shadows beneath the notice of others or locked safely away, though I chose the one I found to be most fitting here. That you are protected from the vile assault of the human savages. Human is... Uh, has a note on it. The term used by the writer here is a slur, not the proper elvish name for our race. I remain thankful you were with the refugees that escaped through the lands of the ape men. And then ape men has a translation note. Not humans, but something similar, though more polite and formal than the writer's prior reference. I can only have faith that my letters have reached you thanks to our messenger, and messenger is capitalized. Imprecise, a microcast considered revered and necessary, yet outcast whose role supersedes simple transport. I regret that I am not coming to you. War Elder. War Elder has a note. Something like an army general crossed with the reverence of a great-grandfather. 
So War Elder Mosthidu has taken over command after Prior Elder, and Prior Elder is all capitalized. Context would be known here and is often important in Elvish language. Uh, so uh, Mosthidu has taken over command after Prior Elder's death by the Dobrakal. Dobrakal's note. Unclear what this is. Via other sources, I gather it to be an unholy product of war, though I remain uncertain whether it is a weapon or a foe. It appears to be a taboo of sorts. We skirt skyward. This is a direction in reference to some known location, unclear where or which way. We skirt skyward along the destroyed place. The article used here is reserved for holy objects, people, or places. I do not know what this site could be. Since we can no longer be followed, and no longer be followed has a note, I'm curious to know what this means precisely. And we sharpen our weapons, literally teeth, Never forget context and cultural associations when translating. To cut out stomachs. Elves, like their ancient masters, hold that the spirit is contained within the stomachs of mortals. Perhaps they are correct. Supper time is nigh. Uh, soon we will bring wrath upon the humans. Again, rude. Despite their greater numbers. I fear only their necromancers. Perhaps inaccurate, though I wish to convey the writer's distaste for arcane casters, so I use the term for forbidden sorceries. Because of what happened at the palace. Close enough. War Elder believes we will drive this war to its finity. Not its end, but rather its beginning to end, which is an interesting distinction of phrase, particularly considering we believe this war lasted generations of human lifespan. I listen for the howling. Perhaps this could be translated as, I await the commander's orders, but that utterly lacks the poetry of the original text. If tomorrow, more likely near future, the language of elves loosely deals with time while ours is necessarily more precise. Tomorrow is fruitless. I fear I will no longer be able to wait to rejoin with you. What is the meaning of this war if we are not together? Capitalized. A formal term here, not unlike marriage, but intimate rather than legal. I am constantly lost in my memories of your eyes staring into mine. It is not for the continuation of elves, the formal term is used here to refer to their entire race, that I fight, but rather our family, future tense used here, our lovers have not yet procreated. Nothing else is meaningful to me any longer. I am summoned by War Elder. I apologize for my brevity, but I must go. Farewell for now, the final note says. The writer uses an uncommon tense here that does not translate well. Using it implies uncertain denial. I believe they know this is their final letter while rejecting the idea they are saying goodbye. Whether the writer is aware of this discrepancy and intends it, or the tense is a subtlety of the language lost on native speakers, is subject to debate. Awesome. <clears throat> um, so, a quick note of my own. Um, I think the Dover call was brought up in uh while we were in the dimension when Gishana found the scroll that was his prison or the the spell that created its his prison it's the reason that Ypsilanti had the crown that let elves contact each other over great distances unless they failed their role yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> um and the dover call was basically a fabricated hyena vampiric godling that the more it killed the more um selves it spawned so it created an ever-growing pack the more it killed 
which eventually became apocalyptic in nature and caused the elves and humans to make a temporary alliance to imprison it. Hemrothra being dog-headed on purpose with respect to that. Oh, very cool. If that's relevant. Yeah, I didn't catch it. Yeah, I, I thought we were all kind of referencing a... to each other and stuff, which is cool. So yeah, um, the person who created the Dover Call was uh, an elven mage tyrant named Imral Alleth, who was considered mad by both elves and humans. <clears throat> and so, that, that was the scroll that Gashana found, right? Yeah, it was uh, the scroll that imprisoned, or the it talked about the imprisoning, but it was Imral Aleth's journal. It was like notes on its creation and that, stuff. That's right, that's right. So my next question is for all of you. Um, the elven tyrant Imral Aleth had three human sorcerers enslaved. Who were they and what made each an asset? I like the idea of one being like a biomancer or something like that. Uh, having a particular insight into the biology of mythical creatures, magical creatures. In particular, when dealing with something like the Dobrakal in its, in its strange makeup, I, I think that's... Good. As far as what their name could be, Latvedi Etrofash. Etrofash. Latvedi. Latvedi Etrofash. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, we won't do that. No, I, I like <laughs> it. Etrofash, some sort of like European. Right I don't know party. if you could have guessed, but he's <laughs> not a good guy. No, it's good. <laughs> I love you, Etrofash. I've got my own idea brewing, but this just occurred to me. Uh, like, Would one of them be uh, perhaps by the name Corvus? Huh. Huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes, I like I like that. I Sex like that a lot. Does that sound which spicy? Is his real name. Like his I thought that's name. actually kind of neat as a way of weaving things in. As well. you want to talk about who he was, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> that may be more information than is really necessary, but he's a wizard who's come up in another game. And yeah, that's uh, say a little. D don't say it like that. Say it. Say it like he just right because <laughs> yep. that pushes the, <laughs> pushes the listener. So yeah, he's just in another game that we did. Oh, well, I don't. Okay, well, well, I me then. I do, don't be that way. I no, was. No, I, I'm I, no, no, no. Like them. I no. I mean, I was trying to prompt how I should say this less yeah. less to be that to be the definitive way to do yeah. this. Um. Sedamar has come up outside of the podcast primarily a wizard who is a reformed lich. Later, we see him under a different guise. But primarily, he was a person who was obsessed with living forms. Similar to perhaps the biomancer we mentioned before, but almost closer to a physical architect, almost. A evil Ypsilanti, maybe? or 
it's difficult to really say what I'm trying to say. I mean, the, the big touchstone for his, like, original idea as a character was that he was Skeletor after killing He-Man, who then indulged his shit for, like, a thousand years, and then was like, oh, I'm evil. This sucks. Like, I'm not having fun. <laughs> what if what if I was, like, a good person? <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, he was reformed Skeletor. When we see him later, at this incarnation of him as, as Sedumar, it's a bit harder for me to... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this would have been him, like, still gathering his power, right? Like, as a mage before he became a lich, which is fucking cool. So we want someone who could aid in creating the Doughboy. I mean, we're kind of suggesting the trifecta of scholars on the creation of things. Uh, yeah. Sort of what's suggested here. What if it was a, a a mage that could like transform their shape and they were essentially like the first part of Dobrakal? So they're like sacrificed in the creation of creating Dobrakal because they could they could transform into a hyena or whatever the fuck. Thruster Mog. Excellent. Okay, so now fast forwarding to the present day. So Jataka is a newly built city. Each of you tell me something about it that fills you with awe when you look at it. Just because it feeds directly into my character, I want to go with the 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 courts, the building of the courts. Oh no, actually, it's it's practically a small city within Jataka, with several, not quite embassies, but there is obviously a place for the empire mostly it's people from districts around town have each a building where and then a large central building around that these things saddle i want to think about what like i want at least the architecture of the city so maybe a magic waterfall there's a magic waterfall that runs off the side of this this the other thing that i think about which might be high fantasy as fuck is the like one of the buildings its walls are just water like it's a structure in the middle like a big fountain in the middle and then like the the water flows out from that and it's like so you can see into the building through the waterfalls or whatever so yeah this central building being like a huge fountain is actually pretty fucking cool also just a disgusting display of wealth in a desert nation uh the thing that really i think took in Arello was the festivals that they hold. Not all, They don't happen that frequently, but when they do, they're at night. And they have giant, monstrous, like, inflatable, like, not balloons, but of the time, balloon-like demons and men slaying them, like, filled with fire. And people are at their most outrageous during these, not, these festivals that take place after the sun is set. This is when you see the 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 air quotes worst, but the best side to Arello of 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 the people of Jataka when they're gambling and whoring and smashing glasses into each other's faces and things of this nature. When people are the most revelrous, I think the the thing that really gets Arello 
is that they spend all these time making these giant structures that will float for minutes, and then they all crash and burn. They like have a destination that's at like the end of a long street, and they all just crash down and create this big flaming pile that people go around. And so it sounds like a nightly kite festival is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's fair. If it's like a, I mean, if like, uh, it sounds like their festivals are very sky oriented, so they can like light the little paper lanterns and shit that like go up and stuff to you, like Viatrix. What fills you with awe? Probably the market, because I used to spend a lot of time. Like, I mean, my real exposure to city states was like the marketplace, right? And so coming here, like, where, how do they get all of this here? There's so much variety and food and strange animals for sale and uh you know like it isn't just the necessities like i would go and sell my grain to people who needed it but this place is full of like luxurious clothing types of that i have never i don't even know what they're made of <laughs> uh you know people selling fine like uh blown glass sculptures and stuff like all of this is exchanged here and so like and the market just goes on for blocks and blocks and blocks like it's huge beyond the scope of anything i've ever experienced like i literally i literally went there probably the first time and like literally got lost like could not find my way out what about the city of jataka tells you it was built atop the ruins of the elves civilization uh i think there are like places of different sizes and shapes scattered around the city that elves uh just don't go like they just refuse to go um i think they don't have anything in common and like uh they just kind of start at random points rather than like being defined by distinct city blocks right so the like it doesn't have anything to do with the city as it is now um it's just like they refuse to enter those spaces so if they're like going through town um, they'll just go around those areas, and like in the past, when they were ordered to go into those spots, um, like enslaved elves would let themselves be beaten or you know die rather than actually entering them. Um, and they don't discuss why. Like it, it it's not really known if it's like an innate thing, like they just physically can't go in there, or if it's like a cultural thing that somehow gets passed down. Um, and I think they're they've then like developed these areas into elf free areas, whether like advertising like, hey, come get away from, you know, the the these like this lower race um, or uh, it just kind of like happens circumstantially. So I don't you know, maybe they developed into. Uh, like run down areas or not, not places that aren't used, like places where high society can't go because their elf slaves can't go there. Um, or alternatively, like a place to go away to, to, to get away from your servants, something like that, maybe. Does that seem interesting or cool to you guys? Yeah, I think it's I think it's dope. I I like the idea that being these elf free areas being bougie places, I, the the idea to get away from your house elves or what have you. I don't I don't particularly like the idea. Well, of I think them... they can be different in different like some of them develop that way and other ones maybe developed in another. You know. Yeah, and the the ones that are more upscale are probably more like middle class upscale, like people who are racist but can't or specious, um, but can't afford to live, or like can't afford 
to ha- own slaves. You know? That makes sense. Okay. Um, next question that'll that's kind of on the, the city level. So for this big celebration in Jataka, kingdoms from across the world have sent emissaries to the city. Um, each of you tell me about one. Uh, do you have any connection to them, uh, and what are their secret goals here? And I suppose they wouldn't have to be kingdoms. They could be like, you know, factions, whatever. Right on. Brendis is rather close with one of the emissaries from Than, which was a, an island nation that we had brought up in Season 5. Basilissa Rosanthi was overthrown by her general, who is the new Basilissa. And her name escapes me now, but she has sent over another emissary, and they're essentially selling their army out for hire. Obasi is the emissary's name. Brings a couple of their warriors to town and brings them to the pits where they fight to show their military prowess. Obasi likes me because he likes to gamble and he thinks that I'm lucky even though I just led him toward the matches that I had rigged. Uh, I can go. Cool. Hell yeah. Magnus, the emissary from the fjords, is a is a drunk asshole, and therefore, Arello and him get along just fine. <laughs> In his weaker moments, he really likes to brag about how, I guess it was his uncle or great uncle or grandpa or something, once won in single combat against a man who was twice his height with a headbutt to the face. This is probably just a lie, but Arello likes a revelrous spirit. The dwarves are here because from from the lips of uh from Magnus's mouth, his Jarl told him to go south to find out what new tricks the serpents use on each other and bring them back. So his secret mission is Intel. His surface-level mission, probably just trading wares, maybe a couple of forging secrets for the right price, for the right help. But most of the time, he just wants to get drunk and try and start a brawl. How many drinks before he starts saying that it was a bear that he fought? One. (laughs) It's usually half slopped down his front, if we're being honest. <laughs> the man is in a constant cantankerous state. Zenalt has brought his small ship and just a, a, few, uh, a few warriors to protect him. He represents the sea people. This is a city-state that is built upon a massive ship out in the open ocean. Zenalt is here to assess the value of attempting a formal alliance with Jataka in an all-out war against the Empire, which the sea people are preparing for. 
So they're on like a boat or a bunch of boats lashed together? No, it's a boat. Ooh. It's a floating city state. Have a shit ton of smaller boats that they go out and like fish with or come to shore with and raid with, that kind of thing. But their central location is a moving massive ship. It just can't come very uh, shallow for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I'm picturing like a huge catamaran. That's fucking sweet. Cool. Yeah. That not very many people know about. Like, Zanalt's not here to be obvious. Like, he's here as kind of like a a spy to make some loose connections and assess this this value. But they're not openly like, oh, we're the fucking sea people. <laughs> we live on a boat. Hi, nice to meet you, boat. I'm Dad. Um, <laughs> like the only, like the only people that know about them are like the the villagers and stuff along the shore that like get raided by them, and to them, right, they're just like raiders that come from somewhere. They're just these mysterious like attackers. Do they dress like something so people think they're monsters? <sighs> Fucking Thirteenth Warriors, my favorite movie of all time. So, so y- yes, <laughs> that sounds great. What? what? Yeah, like. They're just sea monsters to mo- to most of these. That, that sounds it's definitely a mythology, like the fucking uh, the the creature from the Black Lagoon looking things. That's great. Yeah, they like drape seaweed across themselves and stuff. That sounds dope. Okay, so now we're done with sort of the broader city question, and we're gonna zoom in on the arena. Um, the first thing, who is your handler or manager in the arena? Is that a question for each of us? N- no, I think that your team oh has, got a boss. has like a like whether you're all prisoners or uh, it's just like the person who owns your contracts, whether it's because you know you were in jail or, or whatever. However, the other two came to be in the arena. It's, I don't know. I wa- I just watched Gladiator in preparation for this movie, and he's got the like old guy who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Abdul the Ghoul? <laughs> oh, but he definitely does have like a like a professional wrestling name, doesn't he? Well, because he was probably a fighter before. Yeah. yeah. I just meant that would be like his reputation. As, he's like, a ghoul, uh, he's a, you know. Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, less than savory individual. Yeah. Former fighter, now a very unsavory person. Fairweather Necromancer. Weekend Necromancer. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Abdul the Ghoul managing you guys. Morello. How did you find yourself fighting in the arena? Yes, this is a this is a an interesting one. I had sort of lost my way. I was hunting for my big kill. And I seemed to lose lose my my kind of drive, my connection. I needed to get that back, so I started drinking heavily, uh, as one does to try and deal with their problems. And I killed the wrong guy's son, and that wrong guy sold me into the fighting pits when his men came with their spears and their swords and took me there. Yeah. Basically, basically, his little shithead son was bragging about what a great warrior he was one night at the bar, and I uh, took him up on his offer to show his great strength and, you know, 
stuffed his head on the hearth in the fireplace. And you were you were just here to get some new shoes on old on your old pony Dan, right? Yep. Well, let's be honest. The man called me short, and that was just <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what I think happened. He was bragging, and then he's and then I started bragging as well as one does when one is a great warrior. And then he called, "How could such a short man do do so many great things as you say?" And I lopped his fucking head off. Then I went. Then I then I got to fight in the pits for a while. <laughs> Really, it's all upside for you then, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, then it was like, well, I, you know, and I'm I'm kind of spiritually aligned finally now after much bloodshed. And I'm ready to go and find that that giant creature again. Cool. Uh Viatrix. Who did you slay to earn your way into the arena? Who still holds a grudge? Uh I slayed Abdul's last like big money maker. In I think kind of a, uh, you know, maybe a bar brawl kind of gone wrong. I was trying to mind my own business because that's kind of like I'm not really interested. Like I don't want to be a fighter or anything. I was like eating and he and his friends, like his entourage, right, were like being assholes in the bar and like trying to pick fights or whatever. And probably, yeah, my alignment's good. Defend those weaker than you. So I think they were maybe like picking on somebody and I was like, come on, guys, like let's not. Just fucking leave him alone, whatever. And then obviously that escalated because these dudes are jocks. Yeah, that that type of cooling down never works. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, right? <laughs> um, and then like a big fight started, and obviously I have a fucking kick-ass broken sword, so I killed him. And his friends were like, "Oh shit!" and scattered, um, because he was like the big, you know, like the big head jock glue keeping them together. <laughs> obviously um abdul like caught wind of this uh and legally uh th- like you know he he managed him he was under contract so now i have to like fulfill the rest of this dude's contract which is just the, the like the fucked up way that jatakin law works um so now i have to fight for at least a little while brindis holla what great beast of the arena killed your former teammate? <laughs> Build. Boss. How about a tiger with wings? <laughs> great. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. Oh, come flagger? on. So, so pure... Yeah, a, f- a flagger. There yeah, we a fl- go. A f- oh. This is going to You're end. all welcome. This is going <laughs> to end so poorly. So piercing. <laughs> best of 2d8 because it's agile um it flies so you have to deal with that first and foremost they're just gonna keep <laughs> killing you uh you know what plus one damage as well <laughs> just just for shits because it's a flying tiger that fucking tiger wing what are you oh doing? come on like it's not cool oh no oh, oh it. it's it's very cool <laughs> You're just, just gonna, gonna be the one us. that deals with it. <laughs> look, I look. If I'm going to die, it's gonna be by like elementary school notebook rules. I was okay? say, <laughs> well, you know how I'm going. How I'm going to do that? I'm gonna be like, that killed your friend. Go kill it, and then I'm gonna go deal with other shit. <clears throat> okay, cool. Um, the one more arena question. Uh, the the big one. You have a rival team in the arena. Each of you describe one of their members. Uh, there's one that uh, just calls themselves Lucero. Uh, they are a 
fantastic uh, ranged weapon enthusiast. They shoot bows. They're one of those uh, people uh, that drunkenly claims that they've split their own shaft multiple times. All right, now let's che- let's check the emotional age of the room. It's pretty low. It's pretty low. Yeah. We're all seven. Robin Wood. <laughs> Boner. Um. Anyways, go other people. Uh, I'm gonna go with Damon Bonebreaker. No. Uh, he doesn't fucking need weapons. Why? Because he has bones. Bone saws ready. <laughs> yep, thank you. Yeah, I was there. Right, <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going. Bone saws oh. die. <laughs> Why doesn't he need weapons, JD? Ah, uh, because he fucking breaks people's bones with his fists, dude. <laughs> How big? He's big. He's real big. He really pisses off Arello like so bad. <laughs> Arello has gotten no uh, what title yet, and Arello hates that a man that is like twice his height is called the Bone Breaker. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Damon is dumb as fuck. Yes. Yeah. This is the only thing he's good at, but he's real fucking good at it. Is he bigger than you, than Viatric? I mean, he's like, I picture Damon as like, He's a fucking bodybuilder. Mm. Like, he's shredded. I think that's the big, like, you know. He's a freak. Yeah. He, he's not normal. Yes. He, it's just Scott Steiner. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> he, wears, he wears a chainmail headdress. That's <laughs> sweet. Which is amazing because a chainmail hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> he, I mean, he's from the future, dude. We established somebody had chainmail, didn't we? No. No. No? Explicitly not. No. Uh, yeah. We'll give him a lameller. Like a. <laughs> Plates hooked together headdress. <laughs> I like that. That's all. He, is that all he wears? In Plate like pants and that. Headdress. Yeah, and, a, and like a fucking uh, like metal loincloth, basically. <laughs> uh, Brindis, what big score do you have planned, uh, and what do you still need to make it happen? Would there be a central bookie for the fights? Yeah, probably. So yeah, I I want to clean out the I want to clean out the coffers for the for the pit. Oh, after the bets have been taken before yeah. it's all dished out. Fuck, yeah, that's good. That's so good. I have somebody on the inside already, but I need well, I need an explosive. I need to be able to create a distraction, something to make a big distraction. Long enough for the two of us to get out of there. Cool. Um, the person on the inside, I guess. Um, uh, Viatrix, what do you miss most about your homeland? What in Jataka reminds you? Usually in the early morning, uh, before the sun rose, I would take care of my animals. And then during the day, uh, I would take care of my fields. But during sunrise... I'd always take a break and I would sit and I would watch the sunrise and I would listen to the birds chirping. My land was uh, fairly well forested. Um, obviously, I had to work 
to like chop down a bunch of trees in order to actually start my fields. But I never, you know, I never cut down too many. I always made sure that there were copses of trees so that the birds could settle in and nest. And that's what I really miss was like that peaceful moment, you know, between work. And obviously it's not the same, but in Jataka there are these kind of, um, these are these city birds um, with long necks and uh, like a, a colorful head. The males have a kind of like crest to them um, that's always brightly colored, but the females uh, are colored too. And I like their songs. Like I like their little coos. Um, it's not the same, obviously, but it reminds me a little bit of home and I try to enjoy listening to them whenever I can, despite the, the, the general noise of the city. But usually in the early morning, people aren't really awake yet. People aren't uh, moving about. And so you can, uh, you can still sit and watch the sunrise and listen to the birds. Okay. Arello. What legends of Imral Aleph do your people speak of only in whispers? Yeah, that's what I told Nathan earlier. Um, also, you know, that this was a great question because I don't think that the people from the Seath Isles speak in whispers. They're loud and blunt people. Um, but what I do think concerns the people of those isles is uh, it kind of pertains to what I'm doing here now, trying to find the big beast that I will slay. It is said that he was making beasts that would be larger than any we had ever encountered on our journeys. That he was growing them beyond their natural sizes, and therefore there would be greater glory in slaying one. But one of the young people who went on their journey and tried to seek out one of these beasts, they did in fact slay it. But instead of a kind of peaceful end a kind of you know the resting phase after you have you have slain the beast the the festivus the beast just haunted them they came back mad and twisted and they died shortly thereafter he is seen as some kind of sick orchestrator of unlife Brindis, what keeps drawing you to the display of Imral Aleph's mummified corpse? What keeps bringing me back to drawing me back to the display? I'll, of his mum- I'll, I'll explain a little bit. So right now, as part of this big festival, um, there's a sort of fairground that's been set up, and recently an archaeological discovery has occurred, and they found the the mummified body of this ancient elven tyrant. So most of the stuff that we've like discussed and talked about him so far, average people don't know. So to most humans, he's just uh, an elven king. Uh, and so his body's on display. And, you know, pay a few copper pieces or a copper piece and you walk through the tent and look at Uh He's covered in these really ornate black wraps with 
just thousands of jewels studded into them. His corpse represents every single color in the rainbow, and I want all of those. I guess that's kind of a thing that you would want too, huh? But Shiny things. Oh, yeah. But he died a rich man, and I envy that. Okay. Viatrix. After witnessing what happened to your people, how do you feel about the enslavement of the elves? I don't like it. Send tweet. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's not a fan. Uh, obviously, she like lived an independent life and thinks that everybody should have the opportunity to do that. Uh, and she feels like you know she obviously had her life taken away from her, and she feels like that these these elves are every bit as uh, intelligent, capable, emotional. Like they're every bit as human right uh as she is and so they yeah she's she's very opposed to it slavery in general i think mhm arello what have you brought from your homeland that ties you to your people cherry blossom seeds i put them in the ground with the people that i kill who i also put in the ground <laughs> the end Store it. Send tweet. Send tweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 not a uh, like a a ritual. I just like putting a little bit of my homeland in yours. So this is a question for Brent. Uh, what do you know of Olivara, an Elvish activist seeking her people's freedom? And do you have any connection to her or the movie? Could she be my person on the inside? Of the gambling? Yeah. She is the she is the the kept elf of somebody who runs the pits, maybe, or somebody who runs the gambling house. Um I can actually give you a name. Uh yeah. So she is so the the guy who runs the arena who's like in charge of it uh his name is Vecti um so she is his house elf One yeah of his personal assistant okay yeah and we're gonna we're gonna blow this place up both to destabilize a lot of the revenue that goes on in this town but also to bring some power to the resistance monetary power so can I take it then that you are either indifferent to her plight or actively supporting it? We're romantically involved. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> I was looking for this the entire time we've been talking. I was like, who am I Juicy. fucking in who am I fucking in this town? No, Nathan. Don't fade to black. <laughs> uh, stop 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 looking at me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I like a little love interest. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Viatrix, when you were healing from your terrible wounds, you had a delirious vision 
you had delirious visions of an ancient figure on a cold, windswept shore. He gave you a warning regarding the house of dust and ash. What was it? Um, Alright, I think the, the house of dust and ash is attempting to... So they, they believe in a prophecy that says that they will rule the ruins right the dust and ash of this world after it's passed and so in order to bring that about they are attempting to awaken a volcano dragon to destroy everything and my ass fucking like woke up and was like what the fuck all right what a weird ass dream but considering my house has just been torched maybe it makes sense that i would have a nightmare about everything burning down around me um, Arella, while walking through the streets at night, you have encountered phantasms from your own memory. What were they, uh, and who have you heard might have him? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, one of the big things that the, the Seath do before uh, the, the young people are sent out on their, their journey to slay uh, their beast is they go on... Uh, the, the psychedelic vision quest to meet the beast that they will slay. I mean, Arello saw the giant hound that he would be fated to slay one day. Lately, though, and what has really kind of not bolstered his energy is that usually he would only see the hound at night in his dreams. He has seen it on the streets. And instead of it being a mighty grisly beast it has been sick and twisted its guts have spilled out from it twisted into new ligaments gaping maw missing half its jaw its eyes look white it is sick and it feels like it's coming for him who have you heard might have a the, uh, that old mystic guy uh, that I don't have a name for so how about uh, an elvish mystic uh, cool? I like it okay so that's all my question Strangely, it was just a, like a purse dog, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a, fear, just, a fearless Yorkie. It was a, it was a fucking freak accident. Uh, short, tripped over it and he, fell down the stairs. Is that how you want your character to die? <laughs> <laughs> no, please. 
I'm allergic. That's what I, I was trying to say that. He had a short-haired Yorkie <laughs> allergy, and he just died on the spot. <laughs> a horrible allergy. Just <laughs> frantic coughing and belching and squelching, and the man just blew up like a fucking puffkin. Yeah, that was why I didn't see it coming. Uh, <laughs> I was like, man, I really should have bet on that dog. <laughs> <laughs>